You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, the podcast where we take a deeper dive into the latest shows we see, sharing our insights and opinions on the performances, storyline, and everything in between. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the new off-Broadway musical, The Connector. Whether you're unable to catch the show in person or you're looking to enhance your experience after seeing it, this episode is for you. And as always, we want to give you the heads up that this episode will contain spoilers. So if you're ready to dive into this production, stick around with us. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie, and we're thrilled to be your hosts for this episode today. So without further ado, let's start the conversation about The Connector. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Half hour. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Today, we're going to talk about the off-Broadway musical, The Connector. From Tony Award-winning composer Jason Robert Brown comes a timely new musical about two talented young journalists on increasingly diverging paths. Set in the late 1990s amid a rapidly changing media landscape, we meet a fast-rising journalist, Ethan Dobson, and an assistant copy editor, Robin Martinez, at the revered magazine, The Connector. In a world that values the next big sensation, Ethan's writing prowess and ambition force him to confront how far he'll go for the ultimate scoop, and Robin to consider how far she'll go to stop him. The show is currently playing at the MCC theater space, Newman Mills Theater, has a book by Jonathan Mark Sherman, and is directed by Daisy Prince. Okay, let's start with our bold statement about this piece and see how this unfolds in our discussion. Okay. You go, you go first. Okay, my bold statement about this is, it is wildly refreshing to see a new original musical with a completely new original score that is fresh, that is new, 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 and that gives you a new perspective on the musical theater art form in the year 2024. That doesn't feel like it's copying anything. That's okay. I think we could, we could definitely unfold on that one. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with this because as people have heard in the past, I'm not always the biggest Jason Robert Brown fan when it comes to some of his music writing. I sometimes think it, can be a little bit too much for the brain to kind of follow along. But with this, I really, really enjoyed it. Well, it's interesting because going into this in the beginning, I thought, okay, The Connector, like what a title, right? And I know it's based on an, an actual magazine from an actual time. And I didn't know what to expect. I kind of went in saying, okay, I don't know. Like if Jason Robert Brown's name's attached to it, 
I'm assuming, and Daisy Prince, I'm, you know, related to Hal Prince. Like, so I'm like, okay, big names. And I didn't even hear much press or buzz about it. So it completely blew me away to know nothing, to go in to see the talent. And overall, it's so original. I don't know. I felt like I was watching something brand new, design, acting, singing, music writing. The space is wonderful. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end when we talk about our experience there. But I was just really impressed with this. To read a mixed review from New York Times, really shocking to me. Yeah. Really, really nervy, kind of. When well, we're in such a saturated market of copy, 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 repeat, repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really cool for us right now because we've been spending a lot of time, especially while Broadway's kind of like getting their feet wet again, late February, March, April for Tony season with the spring season. We've kind of had a little bit of lull. So we've been going to a bunch of off-Broadway things. And this one I'm adding to my list. I'm really pleasantly surprised with Off-Broadway right now. And I'm going in, I think, with low expectations from Off-Broadway. And I maybe that's helping. I don't know if you're feeling the same way. And not having such high Broadway expectations is really letting me sit down and enjoy the piece. But not only that, the work is actually good. So I wanted to kind of move into that here and like, let's start talking about the actual plot, concept, music, genre of well, this the, musical. I had a feeling from the beginning that Ethan and the plot was going to be like, something's up with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I and it unfolded nicely where I didn't, there was a few songs and moments that were like fun for a few minutes, then we were back to the plot, and then we drifted off and then we came back to the plot, which is really nice in musical theater. Not every single song has to drive the plot. It's nice for a couple minutes to steer away. Max Crum has that whole song about the Scrabble, and that whole moment was kind of a fun turn off. So turn turn around the corner, I should say. So it, from a plot perspective, it was once again like I always say: you're trusting the audience, taking us on the journey, not beating me over the head with the message, letting me figure it out as it unfolded. There was also wonderful staging and choreography of actors moving things in an open space. We didn't have wings. We saw the actors sitting in the wings, watching the piece, which is a very a la like Chicago on Broadway when the actors sit on the sides and watch. Love that. I always love that. Um, and the music took us where it needed to. And it and even from a design perspective, was there projections? Yes. Was it overly projected? Which it totally could have been? No. And it was so refreshing to let us trust physical locale of desks and chairs, but then also throw us into some dreamy sequences of projection and lighting design too. Once again, I will say a, a, a piece where every designer was in the same room at the same time directing this and working on this together. Every designer was contributing. It wasn't like someone was punching in their design card threw up a set and walked away, threw up some lighting design and walked away. Mm-hmm. Really collaborative. Really, really impressive. What I wanted to touch on, and I think this is like what the New York Times article was kind of talking about, was like they gave you too much too soon with the piece and for the plot. Like you kind of knew everything about Ethan Dobson early on and that he was kind of going to con his way through this piece. And I don't know if I fully agree with that. Agreed. I Agreed. feel like we had some character development there, but also like, is wasn't that okay? Like, wasn't yeah. 
even if you kind of did know right away, like, did it need to have a wow factor at the end? Like, this is a story that people already know and or maybe don't know. But like, it's not like anything that you needed to be wowed about at the end. I think it was more just about like telling it in a theatrical way and keeping the story alive. It's like the Hamilton who lives, who who dies, who tells your story there. And like in terms of orig originality, like we've seen this kind of con artist thing many times like in the music man or in like dear Evan hansen and and now with this and it had some of those moments for me especially like in a dear Evan hansen way of like storytelling but going back to this it's like what i love it's like it's a one-act musical no filler maybe like one or two songs might have been slightly filler but it's really working and it has that beautiful Jason Robert Brown score that just like works. Well, let's talk about the score and let's talk about Jason Robert Brown for a second. Mm -hmm. This is a, I always say legacy of musical theater writers kind of follow in the footsteps of who came before. Jason Robert Brown worked with Hal Prince, mm -hmm. did, and Hal Prince worked with Stephen Sondheim and Stephen Sondheim worked with Richard Rogers. I mean, there's a whole, legacy chain of passing the torch we are living in the world where i would argue that lin-manuel miranda alan menken jason robert brown these are the cutting edge leading writers right now they're yeah. still writing they're not going away anytime soon and we're lucky i walked out of this connector and i said how lucky are we in 2024 to walk out of a brand new original Jason Robert Brown show. That is, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful, not Honeymoon in Vegas. It's not the Hollywoods, let's just write music to a movie. This is so original. And I know it's a real story based on real things that happened in the 90s, but it could have been a movie or a play. So to musicalize this was smart and the music was in the right places. And I, I am a big, 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 big fan of Jason Robert Brown. That man knows exactly how to write a, a vocal line a lyric and fully orchestrated. And it's not what I'm hearing a lot of Broadway right now is two guitars, a drum, maybe a fiddle. Oh. No, no, no. This is this is like orchestrated. Right. And I feel like sometimes I, I lean a little bit on maybe it's too over orchestrated from him, which kind of throws me off. And I just like want to hear some more of his classic melody lines and things like that. And I think that's what he really got down right in this one. He wasn't writing, you know, 10 part songs where 10 different people are singing at the same time and you can't concentrate on who you really should be. Like this maybe had like one or two or three and it was fine and it was just working for me. That's but I, for me. I, and I feel the emotion of the songs. He, there's stellar performances. We're going to get to some of the performances in a second. Yeah. And he, I, I don't, I, I don't, this man knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. When you see the last five years and it's two people, but it's like a 10 to 15 piece orchestra. How is that? Where sometimes we see these shows on Broadway that are 20 people in the show and a six piece orchestra. I'm a big fan of orchestra, no matter what genre it is, pop, classical, golden eight, whatever it is, orchestrate it. We're there to hear full orchestration. I don't know. I'm a big fan of full orchestration. Employ yeah. the musicians. Employ the people to fully, instead of these combo pits, these combo pits, I know it's a money saver for producers, but it works when you have, I don't know how many musicians were in the show. One, two, three, four, five, six, like 10, 10 maybe? I don't know, eight to 10. 
And it sounded like there were 30 people in there. That's a good orchestrator. When you see eight to 10 people up there and it sounds like 30, similar to Gardens of Anuncia, when there was eight people up there and it sounded like 30 people were playing, you that's a good orchestrator. You know how to use it. And one thing, I'm going to talk about the score for a second. Again, I said this on the On the Shirt review. I think this might have my all-time favorite Jason Robert Brown song in there. I I don't so if it's not in the little well, there's no music. There, there's no music. There's no music. Song. List, but they're getting a sound. Uh, they're getting a cast recording, which is yeah. Can't, can't wait. There's a song in there. I think it's called Western Wall. I'm gonna label it that for now. It it was written so well. Yeah, like eleven o'clock number at the perfect time, but and it, in ballad style. And it's it, steered 11 off the clock number of like. Oh, we're going there. And I loved, loved, loved that it was happening during his fall. Yeah. Like the fall of Ethan Dobson was happening during this song. And it was almost written like a pop song for mm-hmm. me because I was like, oh, he's he's giving us pop in this and not the typical Broadway pop that we're hearing right now. No, he's giving us Jason Robert Brown pop, pop perfection. Great tell the story but like the irony of that song for me is like he's falling he's losing his career and he's built this story and this narrative and wow let's do it to this amazing song and this is a song where you can be like oh this is a bop but then when you actually listen to the lyrics you're like he made the whole thing up and then you start going back and you're like oh this is where like i go back to that um the new york times are review of this it's like i didn't know right away that he was making these stories up right you almost didn't know who to believe because they were such conviction he was he was convincing us that he really did this until it was discovered that he didn't and and Mm -hmm. in a time before internet and ai and technology and things you know it was the late and it was cool to see like to, to say the 90s is a period piece here now, you know, the costumes, the the hair design was very 90s. It was very good design. Brought you right back to those 90s offices and, and looks and things, you know. And it was even in the same style that anytime, one of the brilliant things I thought in the writing here was that they did do these scenes and they turned, they musicalize anytime he was writing the article. And he kind of appropriated different cultures in there and like that was like the suspension of disbelief for me like okay we're gonna watch this as a musical here now and say oh okay oh and they're and like let's tie them in it's actually gonna be like he used people in his life like his brother or his co-workers and created stories around them i mean it kind of like not to give the guy in real life actual credit but like oh you could get away with that back then. Yeah. And and then there's this whole plot where the Hannah Cruz is is Robin Martinez. She's trying to, you know, find out what's really going on here. The one thing I will say that I agreed with the New York Times a little bit, and it was this oddly somewhat forced romance between the two of them was unnecessary because it was clear that that was not what was going on there. And I did for a split second took me out of it. It wasn't really like beating me over the head with a romance, but the fact that that was even slightly introduced for a few minutes was like, oh, that's not clearly that's not what's going on here. 
you know, between Ethan and Robin. But but I think that was to show how people actually treated women in the workplace at the time. Yeah, yeah. And like, we're not going to erase the fact that that probably did happen and how easy it was for him to walk in there and be able to become one of the lead writers in The Connector and that she had been working there and kept wanting to get her story placed. I think it was there to show that and what their relationship actually was. I don't know if it really, for me, felt fully forced. But, you know, I do kind of want to lead ourselves into the cast, character performances, direction, and design. So, starting with the character performances and cast performances, what do you feel like really stood out for you? We'll be right back. Welcome back. Well, definitely, uh, Ben Levi Ross playing Ethan, really talented. So Vo- talented. Vocally talented, acting was great, carrying the show, very impressed. Uh, Rob- Robin Martinez, Hannah Cruz, blown away by the vocal blown power away. that she's putting in that opening number. She has that whole solo that she sings later in the show, really, really smart. I think she did a great job. She commands the stage, and we were looking at this, but she's going to be in Suffs this spring which is very cool So she's going from this to stuff yeah it's like i think literally starting rehearsals right now yeah 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 and then you have scott bacula playing conrad o'brien he had to control this space he was the yeah. older man in the show that really kind of controlled the younger people coming in and he was great he's been in a lot of things tv and yeah. film and whatnot I mean, and, his character's kind of like whatever but, but it's there it's, it's important, important. Yeah. yeah but it's and then like- i thought jessica malaski as mural was great there's another example of showing a woman in the workplace who was doing so well for so long that it took a man, Ethan, coming in and then they wanted to like unravel her and say, we don't really need to fact check everything. And she was like, what do you mean? I've been doing this. So they didn't trust the new girl. They didn't trust the woman who's been there for so long. So it was a reflection of, of how women were treated in the workplace at the time, regardless of age and, and tenure there. So it was very interesting to see that the trust was in this young guy Maybe just because he was a guy? And then look what happened? I don't know, you know? Well, I think it kind of goes down to that, you know, Con- Conrad O'Brien's character, the the character Conrad O'Brien saw himself in Ethan Dobson and wanted to hand that off. And it's kind of like that male energy that's like, they can't let it go to a woman for some reason. Like, they can't push the power onto someone else who is clearly fit to take over the role. And instead, here's the major spoil here, Conrad literally let the connector die because he put so much faith into Ethan Dobson. Yeah, yeah. And a magazine that was around for so long. Yeah, and he wanted the legacy to go on and on from his original, from the original creator of the connector. And he handed it down to him, and then Conrad was going to hand it down to Ethan. Clearly, that's what it was looking like to set up but then made a bad choice. Yeah, yeah. And then the the connector folded. And it's like, whoa, big deal. It went from it, it went from like, oh, having a resurgence because of the, Ethan's writing, but then it lost its value. Yeah. Because the whole value of this story was that they were writing on truth and truth right. was no more. And, and I also feel like kind of leading into some of the direction here a little bit with Daisy Prince did, this was like an open concept feel show. We didn't need doors and, and entrance portals. And it was like, 
the desks coming in and out were enough. The actors sitting on the side working amongst the stacks of papers was uh, reminiscent of being quote unquote literally or figuratively buried in work, which is what people feel like working in offices and nine to five a lot of times. The light up floor and the the entrances, the very jagged direction of like, you're going to walk like you're walking on a chessboard. It reminded me of like productions of chess that use the chessboard as a, as a symbolism for what's going on. The, so there was some wonderful direction in this is open concept space. Um, and it just goes to show that she's really talented as a director and then works well with designers. Because like I said earlier, the projection, the lighting, Beowulf bore it nine out of 10 times. We love his sets. Let's just say it again. An amazing set. And spoiler alert, when those papers fall at the very, very, very end, it is the aha moment uh-huh. of, oh my gosh. Because I was like, we have this full orchestra up there. The Jason Robert Brown, which by the way, he's up there conducting the show, playing the piano for the full show. How kind of cool is that? That the conductor said, I'm going to come and do this eight times a week or however yeah. many shows they do a week. And then to see them up there at the end, to watch all these papers fall, the magazine literally fell yeah. and then figuratively literally fell. And at the end, it all fell down. Would I want to be the stagehands every night putting all those back up? I don't know <laughs> about that. I always feel bad at shows when there's like streamers and confetti and snow in the audience. And Which is basically they have to clean every that. show now. Right. And they have well, to clean if, that up. If, if your show doesn't have it, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like for that, that's a lot of papers to put up behind. But it worked as this wall that they projected on. It The whole thing was designed so well. The costumes, the sound, everything. Very, very impressed. One of my favorite things, too, that I want to touch on here is, like, the choreography. Even though it was subtle, it had some really big moments. There was a lot of things choreographed that were great. And we tie it into this working 9-to-5 person in the 90s. And that 90s look is very memorable for most of us because I feel like pre 9-11 this was the look the working person in the New York anytime you saw a commercial it was like gray pantsuits or skirts and like oversized suits white shirts and and you got that from these people and it worked I loved the like rushing of like the people around Manhattan and it just felt like it was coming that way and even in the numbers They didn't change. They still, it was so unique and cool to use the office people in performing. And when you watch them and they're sweating and they're moving and this, and it's like their ties are going that way. And I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. But it just brought me back that it brought me into the element of being in like 1997. Well, another thing that's fascinating is when you see a lot of musicals on Broadway and Off-Broadway, nine times out of 10, the ensemble... And I'm not trying to generalize, but because there's some amazing, talented people in all ensembles, but the majority of ensembles are usually fit or skinny and young. And usually, and usually people who are attractive and dancing and big smiles and big energy and, and can kick their face and, you know, do the whole thing. To see an ensemble that was as diverse as this in age, in gender, in body type, in race, to see that. Is if I went to the New York City subway platform and took 10 people, those were people I would see on the street walking in and out of an office who were doing all the choreography, who was singing all the vocal harmonies, 
who was doing all the bit acting roles in the different moments where we needed a two-liner here and a five-liner there. That is really impressive. No no disservice at all to fit young people on Broadway. Good for you. Like, that is awesome. But, and, and, and of course, there were fit and young people fit and young people in this too. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying that there was a diversity element in the people ensemble. Get, I think people get what you mean. Yeah. And to see that in Western Wall, when they were all in their own vocal and choreographic moments, I didn't know where to look. And I mean that in the best way possible. Because sometimes I, I'm looking at a number, I'm like, whoa, where am I supposed to look? I'm like watching a ping pong game. But this was, was like, the, oh my gosh. song. That was the song that I felt like every single person on that stage was almost possessed by that song happening to them. You yep. felt it looking in them. It was almost like it was almost like a flash mob of like you see these people in suits and things like that. And and then all of a the sudden they start dancing and singing to the song. And it was just like it was really a beautiful moment. A beautiful moment. And then it just let you down. It was like the last moment for me that I said, I really like this show. Yeah. And like I said, I didn't love every single song. There were one or two songs. I was like, but most of them I liked. And when we got to that number, when this cast recording comes out, that's going to be the first number I listened to because it's been stuck in my head. The first number he's going to listen to and not stop listening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's So you, I was going to say, let's, let's wrap this up a little bit by talking about our experience here because we're almost out of time. We went to the MCC theater to see this for the first time. It's in Midtown Manhattan. It's an off-Broadway space. What did you think of seeing a world premiere musical in this really modern, hip, awesome space? We'll be right back. Let's jump back in. This is something that I'm really enjoying about checking out these off-Broadway shows because we don't spend a lot of time in off-Broadway and... Now I feel like we start are, are starting to, but I never know what to expect. Like, are we going to a theater that's been in New York City for a long time? Or are we are then are we going to a theater that's like opened in the year 2000? And this one definitely has the more newer modern look to it. But I walked in. I was pleasantly surprised with the size and the tech, everything there. You know, it has a warm welcoming like it kind of felt like a little bit of like a college space, um, but it was cool. I loved it. it. I want to see more things there. It's right in Midtown. I love nothing wrong with going downtown. I love downtown, but to see off Broadway in Midtown, that's not tourist trappy. Like I feel like I was in an audience with a bunch of native New Yorkers and locals and and for a big name, like a Jason Robert Brown musical for sure. I mean, well, that's what we keep saying. I feel like every time we go to the off Broadway space, we're like, wow, I feel like we're with our people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Our theater people, you know? (laughs) And you see that a lot when you see a Broadway show in the first few weeks. But whenever we go see a Broadway show that's like running a long time or just open for a long time, we finally get over to it. I'm like, oh, is everyone here from out of town? <laughs> you know? And so it's we love you. We love you, tourists. You keep the Broadway going. That's fine. But sometimes exactly. you just want to be in like a, a theater right. invested crowd. Yep. And speaking of that, do you think this would go to Broadway? It would work on Broadway. Um, I, I, a lot of this stuff does. I feel like it could. Um, It'd be weird if it didn't go to Broadway. I don't mean this with any disrespect, but no. He's had a few off-Broadway works, like Songs for New World last five years, that live in the off-Broadway world and live there strong 
and still get produced. Did Songs for a New World or Last Five Years ever go on? I don't think they ever went to Broadway. They've had revivals that have always been in smaller off-Broadway spaces. Um, so, but he's had plenty of on Broadway too. I don't know. I would be, no. I would be fine. I, I would love for it to go to Broadway. Maybe it's not in the plans right away. Maybe it is. Maybe it's going to go on tour. It feels like a musical that could live at like New World stages for like a while. Sure. Sure. I did like it in a smaller space. I did. Yeah. I felt connected. I mean, it has like connected. I felt connected to the connector. It would need like (laughs) a star to kind of keep it running. Like, but it has the capacity of like all the Dear Evan Hansen guys to go in. I mean, the role literally sounds like it was written for Ben Blatt. So when you have someone like um, Ben Levi Ross, who I think did play Evan Hansen as well, uh, it works, you know? Totally, totally. And also, I, 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 of course, we've been talking so much about Jason Robert Brown and Daisy Prince. This has also has a book by Jonathan Mark Sherman and a choreograph by Carla Puno Garcia, which was the choreography was wonderful too. So I just wanted to Did I not say Carla's name? I, when, I don't remember I was if we did about the choreography mm-hmm. because I was like, yeah, blown away. Yeah, totally. Blown so. away. So. Wow, we're out of time already. This flew by as it always does. Uh, final thoughts on the connector, Jeff. One, two, three, go. Well, you only have until March 17th to see it right now. So unless it's transferring to someplace that we don't know, you better check it out. I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it a lot. Some great Jason Robert Brown moments, but the story's cool. It's unique and different. So check it out. Totally recommend this. Loved all of it. it was, I kind of wish I could go back. I loved and I love seeing Jason Robert Brown at the end. Conducting, oh, yeah. he waves at the end, he conducts, he's there. Yeah. Uh, it was wonderful. A great original song, sh- show and really talented people yeah. across the whole, on stage and off stage. It's sure. fun seeing the writer and composer literally there. there. Playing live, playing, playing the whole thing the live. Of their piece. No. Love it. Well, that does wrap up our discussion on today's episode. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into The Connector. The show is playing until March 17th, like Jeff said, and we will share the link in our description with ticket information. Yes. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast and let us know your thoughts on The Connector. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. Remember, you can listen to past episodes and stay tuned for our our upcoming ones as well. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.